This is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard End It. The track, Hate Keeper. This is going to come out on Flat Spot Records. Uh, the release date is July 8th, coordinating with This is Hardcore, which End It will be a part of Saturday, July 9th, which is only a month away. End It from Baltimore absolutely fucking kills it. The last couple times they played Philly have just murdered it. Killing the guys come up for Philly shows all the time. They travel all over. But something completely different is happening with this band. And excited for it. So make sure July 8th, around the time of this hardcore, you pick up Unpleasant Living and support Flat Spot Records. They got a lot of the homies on there. Law of Power, Section Hate, Scow. I mean, the, the, the goes on and on. So great label, great people, great tracks. Awesome way to start this episode out. Now, tomorrow in Philadelphia, Bobby Wilson comes with an awesome joint, Friday, June 10th. Praise. Uh, big shout out to Andy from Praise. And um, Envision, they have a new record out. So they'll be out there. Contention from Tampa. Absolutely. It's so hard in any festival, Sonetti, where you are the opening band and you're hoping your friends go. But uh, FYA, the start of our new year. Something special happened with that uh, contention set. Absolutely fucking annihilated. Really excited to see them. Also, Wreckage from Connecticut. I don't know anything about the band, but I'll be there. 7.30 at the Photo Club in Frankfurt Avenue. Um, a lot of what we grew up around was the Photo Club. And the place is basically like a Coke bar. Like an after-hours Coke bar, which was then bought by um, the former owner of the Barbary, who now no longer owns the Photo Club. Some beef with it, but they're letting people do all-ages shows. And uh, Bob Wilson's got one tomorrow, or today, rather, if you're listening on Friday. So make sure to check it out. Right on uh, Frankfurt Avenue, before Caster, in the real part of Philadelphia. Thankfully, the gentrifiers don't have the balls to go up there yet, but it'll fucking happen. So just make sure you go up and support. And I actually... While while I'm talking about it, just to give some love to our friends, um, I believe the Cycle of Abuse homies have a show up there sometime as well. But uh, I can't find a flyer in front of me, but they're doing a show at the Photo Club as well. And um, big shout-outs to everybody who played the Philadelphia Hardcore Barbecue. Unfortunately, if your band isn't here to stay, everything else is just like a side note. Big shout-out to Kev. Um... Hardcore is and always will be people in the scene getting on the stage 
taking a mic, picking up a guitar, playing some drums, doing some things, and recycling the energy and giving back. And Philadelphia always had good shows. Maybe not the best bands, maybe not the most popular outside of Philadelphia. And it's only in this time that I think that there's more different... uh, I hate the term more different. There's more than just one or two groups of people who are starting bands. And people who are now multiple people, not just one or two, but like multiple people are in multiple bands. And, And that's really the way a scene thrives. And so... My love to every one of you assholes, for the most part, who are in multiple bands. And doing the things, like starting a band, I, I don't even know how you fucking start a band nowadays. Got I mean, I, I'm embarrassed for every stupid hardcore band that never fucking bothered to Google. It's like, yo, you don't think you're the fucking first band that came up with that name? Just fucking Google it. But, um... And then you have to go through the whole awkward thing. Do only your friends mosh for you guys? Do, you know, you're trying to put on for your homies, but the shit's whack. Fuck, God bless you guys who are doing these first shows all the time. It's absolutely outstanding work to want to continue to put more stuff out there in a hardcore world to see things continue. And for the first time in a long time, it's all young kids doing it. And the love is there. And my love and respect for them because their love is there. Internally to everybody. I mean... Obviously, I'm from Philly, so I'm going to speak from the heart for Philly, but in general. So Friday night, Photo Club, Praise and Vision, Contention, Wreckage. Monday, June 13th, at the Yuki Club, which is a completely different side of the city. Also used to be a neighborhood. Now bitch-ass gentrification is coming in, the whole fucking thing's whack. But Bob Wilson is going to be doing a show with Gag, Chemical Fix, Jive Bomb, Sinister Film. We played that track a couple weeks ago. Check it out. This is Monday, June 13th. Um, great show. Great situation. And then um, later in the month, Friday. I totally fucked up on the flyer. Um, Friday, June 24th. No pressure. Illusion. Um, and uh, Raw Brigade and Killing Me. Great band from Delaware. All young kids. All in other bands. Playing the First Unitarian Church. Show's going to start like 7.30, 8 o'clock. Um... I, I, I really fuck up sometimes. I've always fucked up. I either write the wrong day or I've got the wrong number. It's a lot in my head. Not just not just show shit, life shit. And I I forever would fuck up. I would get the date right, but then the day the, the day of the week wrong. It's just like a fucking my Achilles heel. And so I apologize. And then what happens is I get this crazy chaos energy. From all the people who write me, hey, 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 this is the fucking wrong date, or dude, and I and I get it. My job is to be on point, and I'm not always on point. Need to say that. Need to say that I'm not always on point. And I want to have some fucking ivory tower where everything I do is great because it's not. And so I feel dumb when I fucking do shit like that, and then I gotta fucking get rid of flyers. It's annoying. So yeah, Friday, June twenty fourth. No pressure. No pressure. They're going to fucking kill it. They fucking killed it last time. Raw Brigades are going to kill her. Haven't seen Illusion, but fucking loved everything I heard from them. And Killing Me is another group of fantastic kids. <laughs> you know, they just graduated high school. They're in fucking bands. Dude, it's great. Great time for hardcore all over the place. Not just Philadelphia, but I speak from home because that's what I see first, you know? So, 
Make sure this summer you're supporting hardcore. Make sure this summer you're at this is hardcore fest. Yeah, you know, it's a month away. A month away. Well, you can't go Friday the 8th because it's sold out unless you've got your three-day ticket. But you can't get any more three-day tickets because they're sold out. The Thursday with H2O is going to be fucking fantastic. I, I know the kids love jumping on and shitting all over Toby and Toby and cops and all this fucking whack shit. The same kids that if I punched them in the fucking mouth would immediately run to 911, get videos, put it all over the internet, have a GoFundMe. It's so such sucker bullshit. Um, love H2O. Love Toby. I love Adam Blake. I love Rusty. Then they get a bunch of fill-ins. Sometimes it's Todd. I just saw Max play the other day. But H2O has a big love and tie to Philadelphia. So great way to start off the fest, the pre-show, Thursday, July 8th. Tsunami. Now, they couldn't make the Gridiron show. This is the only show they're playing on the East Coast. Step it up. Be there. Tsunami. Isaac, Scarhead. That record's good, man. They just did a U.S. tour. Isaac's still out there fucking touring, making it happen, coming back, going to work, selling canvases. Make sure to check out his episode, episode 29. It's a while back. Love, Isaac. And they're playing the fest. Carried by Six and Hold My Own. Richie from Wisdom and Chains and every fucking record label now. Uh, fast Break, he's got his own one. Never Run, Never Will. The Rule of Three. I'm going to go and give you all Richie's titles. He's putting on a split seven-inch wit. Carried by six and hold my own, so why not just have them on the bill? Karma, great band from Chicago playing the pre-show. Um, gloves off, Cody Clark, Pitt Enforcer, along with Zach Barone of Carried by Six, also on the bill. Zero Trust, we had uh, our friend Zach Thorne, who's an agent of man of Bulldoze and Homicidal. This is his other band, Zero Trust, we played a track from that. Fantastic band, they're on uh, Equal Vision. You got to check them out. Kings Never Die, last episode, Danny Schuler. Uh, Richie actually just did a great, great interview with Dan Astazi from every band, you know, but most importantly, Kings Never Die. They're on the, the bill as well. Now, Honey is a thrash band, very crossover, love them, but it's still Jay Lachlan from Turning Point. Did a big thing. Years and years ago, I go to him and I ask him to play the fest. And he works at the place around the corner from my house, so we sit down. And he didn't think people cared about Turning Point. And he's like, oh, dude, let us just play with Gorilla Biscuits. And I made him a deal that if at the end of the set, he didn't like the Turning Point set, he could punch me in the face. So if you watch the video, they start playing. I grab my glove. You still want to punch me in the face? He shakes his head no. Um, he did a lot for Hardcore in Philadelphia, Turning Point, all, one of my all-time favorites. And um, I said it earlier, Cycle Abuse, Big Mike, Big Voice Mike. Them kids are uh, keeping a style of some hard shit like the Punishment stuff and the Shadow Realm stuff going in Philadelphia. Great fucking band. That's the that's the pre-show. As I said, the Marauders show with Section Hate, Queensway, Punishment, Hoods, Hangman, that's a great show. It's completely sold out. And then Saturday, every fucking band. Every fucking band on the bill is playing. It's fucking every band you've ever wanted to see in the 90s. It's fucking absolutely great. Madball, Hatebreed, Fury of Five. Hapri playing, doing the, the 20 years of perseverance, but more importantly, Hapri just playing. Um, I've said it before, I'd love to have Jost on the show and just talk about so many awesome things he did for hardcore, so many DIY things and the way that he pushed and pursued the band. But um, yeah, finally have them. So make sure you support that one. That's one of the best bills. And then the Sunday is Thursday and Terror and Comeback Kid. It's another fantastic bill. And um, two-day tickets are starting to go quick. 
Um, we had X amount and we are well over the halfway point of that X amount. So we may release some more too, but that's the way that shit usually works. So if you want to save yourself some bucks, get a two day pass or get yourself a Saturday pass or a Sunday pass, or just go to the pre-show. If you've got the weekend party ready for the family out in the shore with Diego and Sab and all the shore warriors, all the hardcore dudes who just live out in the shore all summer. So yeah. Busy fucking summer. Tons more shows after that. 18 Visions and fuck, we got so many shows coming up after the fest. It's going to be nuts. I'll do so much more. I'll be another fucking 20 minutes talking about the shows we have coming up. Just continue to support this hardcore. Get your fucking ticket. We're a month away. I think it's it's important for me sometimes to lay shit out. If I don't lay it out, or at least I don't uh, speak on it, I feel like maybe some people who are younger, maybe some older folks who just didn't get the memo, might miss out on some of this stuff. So, Saturday, June 11th, Fury 5, playing the House of Independence in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, so much to say about a band. And um, bizarre, but not... The cliche, damn, I'm feeling old, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Fear of Five graced us. Um, really graced hardcore in the early 90s. And did something to hardcore. I love it. Did something to hardcore. Um, that I feel has been imitated. Potentially watered down with its replication but never been able to touch into the same formula. I mean, number one thing that I think about, it's important when we talk about this stuff, is that today's gridirons, today's painted truths, today's tsunamis, yesterday's shattered realms, yesterday's punishments, and so many other bands. So many other bands take pages, sometimes almost deliberately take pages from the Fury of Five and yet, it just needs to be said that there's just something about them. There's something that can't be replicated. Um, in an era where the internet makes one track, like the ended Haykeeper, immediately accessible to tens of thousands, if not more, it takes a long time in the early 90s to seed anything. Truly seed anything. And, I mean, just the output. Just the output in the first two, three years is unequivocally unmatched. You know, the convicted, condemned 7-inch, whether it's the high cost of dying or the reflection of reality demo. I mean, the stuff that these guys were putting out truly lived up to the ter- the name Furio 5. Even the name just seemed like, wow, like it's a fucking powerful name. You kind of got caught off guard a little bit. You know, what the fuck is Fury of Five? You know, like, but it's in, it's in them playing, right? It's in them doing the things that few bands have really ever done. You know, like, I mean, seriously, like, just seeing that band. And in in their later iterations, when they really started just 
being a fucking industrial bulldozer machine through the East Coast. Few, if any, have ever done it the way that they did it. And in a current, what's popular now, mindset and hardcore, definitely takes us back to spin kicks and giant pants and goofy haircuts and all sorts of shenanigans trying to build an aura from the 90s. But this shit really was real. And Fury of Five, notorious for not being a band that behaved on stage and said things in their songs or on stage one way and off stage were just soft. It was impossible at times to even be at a Fury of Five show and not see members engage in the crowd, beat up security. I I honestly think that there you, we could probably have an entire podcast on the amount of sound men that were probably both beat up by members of Fury of Fives or friends of Fury of Five and Manball. That's something I really actually do miss in hardcore, if I'm going to fucking be honest. Sorry, all you sound men, but there was a time where if you were fucking mixing for Fury of Five or mixing for Manball and the shit didn't sound right, you could get fucked up. <laughs> you would get your ass beat. Don't matter if you work at the club that all the people were at, they're going to fuck you up. And, um... That's not to highlight this, but it's just a funny thing, you know? And, and what makes it funny is in a time where no one fights, where everything's online, few people really interact with each other in real earnest ways at shows in public or in person to person, but everybody wants to emulate or do their best impersonation or affect a look, an image to impose a thought that they were anything more than softer than baby shit, really just, it, it needs to be said that, that the time when Fury of Five started was just a bad time for hardcore, if I'm really going to be honest with you. You know, it was a bad time in the sense where some bands had found the key towards the bigger future in these major, small, small major labels, or subsidiaries of small, uh, smaller labels who were putting money into underground stuff. And obviously, as we spoke with Dan Schuler last episode, Biohazard going from Roadrunner to Warner was probably one of the biggest examples of actual commercial accepts and, and, and more viability in a consumer market for a band that came from the underground. But truly, you know, shows... A regular hardcore show might have had 150 people. You know, uh, there was occasionally bigger shows, but the early to mid-90s had great hall shows and great small club shows. But it wouldn't be to the mid to late 90s where you start seeing, and I say mid to late, like more like 97, 98, 99. You started seeing these bigger fucking shows. And you'd even see Fury open up for uh, you know Stormtroopers of Death towards that period but really you know the bands of that era the bands of these kids today wish to emulate these kids already have some of the the artifacts the clothing the old t-shirts the recordings but they don't have the attitude some of the bands have the work but this is this is about what you have to do to be a Fury of Five band you've got to put out 
extremely visceral music. Just shit that is mind-blowing. I mean, not only to the fucking metronome. Like, this band was on fucking point, and it got on stage. Bizarrely enough, I think it's interesting that I think that a band like Fury 5, uh, by today's standards, it might take 15 minutes for people to not feel terrified if they're a 16-year-old kid. It might take them like half the set. By kids, you know, these kids play 10 to 15 minute sets. It might take a couple songs for kids to be calm, seeing the fucking the rage and the fucking the people that roll with Fury Five in these fucking shows. And yet, these young kids they want to emulate this shit, but a lot of the, what I think is missing is the work. You know, there is a time when you eventually get your band to the point where you can pick and choose. The point where you're able to say, I don't know, man, I don't want to go all over to Vermont because we played a show here and it wasn't that great and we actually know a better spot. But early on in their career, and I hate that term, but early in the band's life is probably a better term for it, you have to just go out there. You get asked to play a show somewhere weird as long as it's not like, oh no, it'll take us $900 in gas to get there and back. You can't pay us $900, so we're not playing. You got to go out in that adventure. You got to take that odyssey. You got to pack the van tight. You got to maybe slide a couple baseball bats inside the van just in case shit don't go your way. And, and you know, it's a, it's a shame, but I'd say leave them fucking cell phones home and go out and have an adventure. That's just not the way to be. But I feel like the bands of today are dead within... A release or two, and they're off to the next thing because they don't seed themselves the way a Fury of Five would do. And yeah, I, we could talk about the internet. We've talked about the internet every fucking episode, but you've got to see Fury of Five play in front of thirty-five or forty-five people in a small room to know that they are fucking the machine that they are. And and that's something that goes over everybody's heads in this nostalgia look back machine called YouTube. You know, some of the craziest shows, yeah, they're captivating and they make people go, dude, this is such a crazy time. But there's also uh, 50 shows where people are too afraid to mosh or people, there wasn't that many people, you know? And and, and then that's where the bands like the All Out Wars and the Fury of Fives, you know, even even early on the Man Balls, you know, like there is there is shows that happen for everybody at a certain time where they just had to keep going back and playing these places and seed themselves. Get into the psyche of the people who may not have picked up the first time it came through. First time I seen Bane was in the suburbs in Polanka Park, and I didn't think much of it. I'm not shit-talking over dissing them. I was told, oh, it's some guys from Converge, and I remember they were on some split 7-inch, you know, and that was the only track I heard. And I didn't think too much of them. Who would ever thought what they would become? based upon that set where everyone just stood there with their arms folded and the horseshoe of death looming in front of them. And when we talk about Fury of Five, you know, there there are people who, whether it's in the Hudson Valley or the Buffalo area or, if you know, different places have different tastes, especially then. It's not all so homogenized now. It's not so easy for you to go play some small town and someone go, I never heard of this band. It's like a fucking major band. This fucking internet has allowed some homogeny and kind of like every town has the same 
oh yeah, I really like this band right now, and everyone likes them, and everybody has that shirt because you know they ordered it online or they fucking went to the tour that was in the big city if it, if it's a small town. No, they had to fucking go up and play these fucking places, far away from the Jersey Shore, far away from where the style of music or the dancing hard was accepted. They had to seed them fucking selves in. And I mean, if you look at the output, again, I keep saying it, but it's like, we're talking two demos in the same fucking year. Um, Seven Inches almost boom to the boom. And then, you know, they released this fucking LP. Jesus Christ, this thing's a fucking monster. There's no reason to smile. I'm going to tell you just, and I don't care how you guys feel about it because I don't give a fuck. Uh, Punishment listened to, no reason to smile. Every single day on our U.S. tour. And... We went over every single fucking lyric, one by one. Literally, could not get enough of that record. And that was four years after it was. It was like still a record that we were heralding as one of the finest, you know, records, period. It came out specifically on a European label, Game Ground. And, um, you know, that just goes to show you. Here's a band working every single fucking weekend, kicking ass every single fucking weekend. And the the people who really want to have this record come out is somebody from Europe. Now, yeah, we could talk about how, you know, the, the Telling It Like It Is and The Convicted and Condemned was also released in Europe, you know, because at the time, this, there's nothing that needs to be said is, at the time, this stuff was not seen. It's what it didn't fit in the Revelation category. Didn't fit when the Rev Star. You're never gonna see a Rev Star on a Fury of Five record, that's for sure. And there really wasn't a spot in the record store between the Posi Hardcore, the pre Posi nine seventy nine eighty four, you know, forefather grandfather Hardcore, and then. As this heavy, mutated into metallic, aggressive, mosh anthem shit started coming out. Really, the only label that was like rising the huge, fast success was Victory. Although, you know, stuff there was start start the uh, stuff starting to come out on other labels, which would eventually be an equal to and sometimes greater than a Victory and stuff like Trust Kill. But early on. This stuff didn't have a place. There was no place for it. And, you know, thankfully, being from Philadelphia, John Dudek, R.I.P., from Very, always had European releases. So I had all the stuff. I mean, also, I, I went and seen Fear 5, had the demo, bought the second demo literally at Beaver College Show, which is like another weird thing. Like, here's a fucking show in right outside of Philly suburbs. Actually, not far now for those who are wondering where the Ambler skate park that we do shows at. Um, literally within like three miles was this insane Beaver College show that was like Fury of Five, H2O, um, E-Town Concrete. That was the last time their old bass player played. They got in a fight on stage. And it was basically um, maybe 150 kids in this hall. And H2O did the move. Oh, you know, you guys should play last. And H2O played and a bunch of Philly people left. And Fury of Five played a giant hall to like 40 or 50 people. Me and Steve Bush had to walk a couple blocks 
to get to another bus because it was way past the West Oakland. It was actually outside the city. But I'll never forget that show. You know, I'll never forget walking up and buying the second demo from Stickman sitting right there. And that's a something else to think about is like, here's a band who has a demo. They've got records in Europe. They're still trying to seed themselves. So no reason to smile comes out. And yeah, like if you were going to New Jersey shows, and I've seen them in places that are small as shit, and I've seen them up in their own area. I mean, dude, some of these Fury of Five shows in their hometown, beyond legendary. I mean, the one the one that will stand out the most was that convention center show, the big show that Tim Moore and all them put out. That was like the big thing. That was like a monstrous fucking show. But I mean, any shows in central area for Fury of Five were outstanding but I mean we take for granted this is more or less the point we take for granted now the younger kids that's like oh yeah we have this band and it's cool and then hey five six jumps in or fucking Spotify and Bandcamp and it's seated well it, it is always seated in that time and in fact you look at go all the way back we look at Greg Jinn and Chuck Dukowski trying to turn music into more than just regular music, but almost like a movement within the music scene. And again, this is all written, this is basically all co-opted from the Corporate Rock Sucks book, which I think that anyone who listens to hardcore or likes hardcore or is interested in the early days should check out by Ian Rutledge. You know, Dukowski and Greg Jinn knew... The only way to get Black Flag, uh, Black Flag further along was the tour. And they really started pushing to release their own records, via, you know, Black Flag records on SST, and book their own fucking tours. And I, I, it's an, if you look at it right now, like I think in like 1983 and 1984, I think Black Flag might have had two or three months, maybe <laughs> they might have toured eight months, one and three months off or something crazy. And that's just like, that's the, you know, they're the tip of the spear. They're the top touring machine. That's how that fucking got out there because there's no internet. And they were the ones building, you know, printing the product and pushing their label. So that's what they had to do. That's our forefathers. That's the, that's the rite of passage in some way that we inherited was that if no one's going to buy the record because there's no spot on the shelf and there's not really a promoter or a scene you got to go find somewhere and do it your fucking self. You got to. And that's it's a bizarre thing to say this because there is a overlap here. So in 2014, Stickman would do Fury of Five, if this is hardcore, with other members. In 2000 and I believe it was 17. Unless I'm, unless I, and I, I can't, I feel bad that I'm saying it wrong, but, uh, Actually, as we're talking, I'll look it up just because I'm not wrong. Uh, I'm trying to <laughs> double check this. Yeah, it was 2017. I wasn't wrong. In 2017, Stickman actually sang for the Fury of Five that played This Is Hardcore. And um, the thing about this is, is that 
Fury of Five, All Out War. There's so many bands. I mean, like culturally, you know, you had the Coldest Life guys in Detroit. You had all this shit going on in Buffalo. You had a ton of shit in Albany. I mean, Politics of Contraband, Wartime Manners, um, fucking Stigmata. Dude, I mean, I could list, I could do it a whole entire uh, episode just on fucking Albany and the Troy Core bands and just some of the most amazing shit that is so centrally located and just regionally popular at that time. And then you had to go out to Brockton. I'd love to do an episode at some point about 121 and the Brockton, South Shore, Boston scene. You know, all these places are where people were about the Fury of Five. Maybe maybe they saw a zine. Maybe they just heard about it. Maybe a band came through and was like, yo, you need to check out Fury of Five. But alongside that was the 25 to Life gimmick. Not the guys. I'll leave them out of it. But I mean, with Rick, again, I don't want, I'm talking about Fury of Five, so I don't want to extol the virtues of this cocksucker too bad. But the one thing that he did that really did uh, make things a little easier was that he was hustling like no other. Very much in a fucking goofy version of a Dukowski or a gin kind of way of self-releasing records in the gin style and also Dukowski of making these different points of contact from fucking Maine all the way down to Northern Virginia to West Virginia to fucking all the way to Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, it was it was very much a tract, like a groups of like shows and places, you know, in Pennsylvania, it's CC's and there's Stroudsburg, and we've talked about that a million times. I don't beat that up with Jersey, but like it was the other places where Rick was able to link up with people, you know, all over North New Hampshire to everywhere, Long Island, Connecticut. I mean, these are the places where it was, it's not a, um, this is a discussion on. The chicken or the egg, because they almost are overlapping each other. Fury of Five, Twenty Five to Life, the Bulldoze demo, Madball, you know the the rise of VOD, you know Earth Crisis, Blood for Blood, all the stuff that we've talked about on the show are all sort of happening around now. So there is people that are waking up to this different stuff, you know stuff that isn't going to be like Revelation Records that we said, or isn't going to end up. Um, exactly going to be picked up for Roadrunner right away, even though eventually VOD and Madball would, Earth Crisis would eventually go to uh, Victory and then other stuff. But this is like the beginnings of a scene in its own right, or a, a mutation or a amalgamation, whatever term you want to use, where hardcore is changing, styles are changing, and people are starting to wake up to this shit. And all this stuff is starting to happen. And there's so many bands. I mean, there's small bands like Inner Dam. There's a ton of stuff from Connecticut. I mean, I could go on with names and names of bands forever that made it place, you know. And obviously, we have a big love for the Castle Heights stuff, the Long Island stuff, the North Jersey stuff. Fuck, it covered so much of the shit, right? So I don't want to overlap and talk about it too much. But when it comes to Fury of Five, they were just tighter than everybody else. Their presentation was fucking serious. I mean... It needs to be said that people who look cooler on stage are going to get more people to watch. It's the way it is. It's the fucking way it is. You get a bunch of fucking ripped, tattooed maniacs on stage and they're playing the devil's fucking music. 
and they got a whirlwind in front of them, or they're just playing some shit that you've never fucking even could think of. I mean, it, it, it it's a great term, but it really was a fucking fury. It was fucking on the dime. You know, those guys would stop. I mean, a lot of the bands were equal to the task of being very professional, very on point. But it needs to be said that the live set from a Fury 5 set was just fucking unbelievable. And if it was anywhere where they had some homies that would drive, that would fucking, you know, you've got half a dozen to a dozen of their own fucking people literally making the noise on the floor. That's something else that I think these kids got to understand. It's like, you know, you go somewhere and you bring your friends. They mosh for you. You go to someone else's town, you run that fucking floor in the front. Someone comes from out of town to your fucking floor, you run the fucking front. Make them step in the back. That's just, that's just the stuff of the old days. These younger kids, they just go ahead, they click download, put that shit up there. Boom. 2,000 people just heard this track. We're kings. We just sold all this shit on fucking... What is it? Big Cartel. Woo, this is great. Some kid from Europe said he wants to do our demo. Woo, we're set. No work. No blood, no sweat, no tears. That's not how it was. And, you know, there builds reputations. Reputations for fights, cruise shit, chaos, promoters getting jacked up because they weren't fucking trying to pay bands, trying to ask bands from out of town to sell tickets. All this shit is just not even a thing anymore. So maybe some of this is for the young kids. Maybe some of this is for the old people to get to laugh nostalgically. And say, God damn, I remember that pain in the ass shit. Or I remember that. But it just needs to be said that we're all following some someone's footprints. Someone did work. Someone did something. Or multiple people in multiple different times had to do a semblance of what was already done. You know, whether we're all children of the Dukowski tour poet patterns or is it just common sense? Organically, you look at the way you would play in the East Coast and it, it makes a lot of sense to make sure that you're playing in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and you still like to get out to Connecticut, but has, is there enough people to go to New Hampshire? I don't know. Fuck, do we hit Vermont and Maine? Do we have time? I mean, how about the fucking crazy assholes who go to the fucking New Brunswick and fucking Canada. You know, like, that's just, you know, like, the world's your oyster if you really want to be some fucking Lewis and Clark type shit. When you want to go out there and you want to play and you want to make your band known, it's not, even in 2022, it's not the fest that you play. It's not the people that you follow, that you retweet, that you share. It's the fucking people that see your dumb motherfucking band that weekend. That's what Fury of Five did. That's what all these bands did. And that's why they're seeded into the fucking subconscious of hardcore to this fucking day. Yeah, you know what, Fury of Five, definitely, especially because you're talking about when Fury of Five was ripping and rolling, I was 15 years old. Long hair, terrified, in some ways exhilarated in other ways. You know? But at the same time, it was exciting. But what seeded them in my memory is me just seeing them time and time again rip fucking venues apart. Not legitimately, though I think Stickman probably had to fucking shrug his shoulders and squeeze in a couple small hall doors. But like legitimately, just be a fucking presence. You know? To be synonymous with excellence. 
to put on performances that are talked about and your name is said to the point where people are like, I got to get them to come up or people would just organically be excited when your band would play. It's a factor. It's a factor that gets lost because people are elevated to think, now nah, you just put it on the internet and then someone else comes along and they start booking you and then you get a manager, then the label comes. It's a lazy man's way. It's not the right way because it's not real. When you can go out and you can say that you've played in Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire and Massachusetts and West Mass and maybe you've even played Pittsfield Mass if you know where the fuck that is. Maybe you've played in Long Island, but have you played the Hudson Valley? Have you played the Hudson Valley? Have you played Syracuse? Have you played Auburn? Have you played all the way out in fucking Buffalo? Have you played in Erie, Pennsylvania? Have you played in Wheeling, West Virginia? Have you played out in fucking no man's land of, uh, what the fuck was that town called? In Maryland, the fant- the Phantasmagoria shit's gonna come to me. But, like, there was even shows down there, and damn right Fury of Five went down there and played them. Hagerstown, Maryland. Go down and see fucking Fury of Five in Hagerstown, Maryland. Where the fuck were you at when Fury of Five was playing in Hagerstown, Maryland, right? But that's the fucking shit we did. We, because collectively, what would Kahlo for follow them would be us. Punishment, many other bands, later Shadow Rome, was do the things that the bands that we loved and respected did. And so again, this message is for younger kids. It's like, oh, you want to be this band? Well, be the band. Go out there, make a fucking demo. And next year, make another fucking demo. And then, you know, you don't have to have the most perfect releases, you know, but you got to have something out there because you're playing all the time. You're playing every fucking weekend and you're getting better at your fucking chops. You're getting better shit. More people are excited to see you. Or you're just getting more excited to get back on the fucking road and do it again. Or maybe you went out to the middle of fucking nowhere's land, like fucking Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and 40 kids saw you. You're like, why the fuck did we drive that far? But next week you're going somewhere where you know people are going to be at. These are the things that drive bands. And this is the thing that makes a band a real band. Instead of waiting there for the call, waiting to get picked up and taken to the big leagues, you got to play the fucking minors first, kid. And that's what these fucking bands did. They were never minors. They just knew they were going to fucking literally hone themselves to a fucking fine point. Fury of Five absolutely honed themselves to the most precise fine fucking point. And it, and it, and it needs to be said. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, there was a short burst of life for this fucking band. You know? But, I mean, they they culturally impacted so much more in around five years than a lot to affect pure change and to be emulated throughout the second half of the 90s all the way through the 2000s to be somewhat ridiculed. There was this goofy-ass thing in the early 2000s on the internet where people would start to clown the quote, I hate this fucking term. After the word beatdown, the word that I fucking eschew and even hate using is the term wigger. It's the fucking disgusting, I don't like it. Hate it. Hate when it's used like mockingly or silly. I don't like it. But that was a gimmick on Bridge Nine. I fucking despise it. And, and yet, that was like a thing. Like, people, oh yeah, I really like this blah, blah, blah core. It was like, you know, like their guilty pleasure. I knew that shit was real. I knew what fucking Fury of Five was about. I was there. I fucking saw it. I was fucking happy to be a part of it. You know, it's a thing. And then, late, late 2010s into the 2020s. Whew, what's back? What's at the top? It's them pain of truce, them gridirons, 
the never-ending games, the three-need deeps. And you gotta give love to the Godfathers and that shit to some regard. It's fucking the Fury of Fives, it's the Mad Balls, it's the Next Step Ups. It's Cold as Lice. It's the Bulldoze, the Bluffer Bloods. So many of these bands. And so, if you want to be these bands, I'm not saying start a gang and, you know, carry around bats with fucking nails in them, but I'm saying, do the fucking hard work. Make that fucking demo. Give it to any fucking kid you can. Make sure that you're playing every chance you fucking can. Refine your fucking shit. You know, these guys who got there and they would play six or seven songs, which is like way more than what young kids now, attention span, would go for. So, I don't care if you're traveling six hours to play your 15-minute set. Make it the best 15 minutes you got. Because that's what Fury of Five would have done. When you go out there and you put something on, don't half-ass it. Take more time in the studio. Um, the Just just seeing Fury of Five on Instagram conjures up images of stuff that John Cooper and the dudes from New Jersey would tell me about Fury of Five. And I, I know having been in a band with an ex-member of Fury of Five, Chris Rage, you know, we stole their process. Shadow Realm did, you know. We would do sets for Europe that were an hour long. And we would play, not all looking at each other, we would play standing out and getting ready for a fucking show. And we even practiced at the studio. I think that Fury used to practice that at some point. And... And we honed our own selves, you know, like I speak from the highest level of respect for what Fear of Five did, for models that they shown people, for ways that they executed a precise takeover and influence in hardcore. And I think that we're looking at this almost 28 years to the release of their demo and the beginning of this and with us just a few hours from the reunion show, it's important to pay respect and homage to a band who didn't give a fuck if someone standing in the room didn't know who those guys were or didn't know what they are about because they were going to fucking shove their shit down anyone's fucking throats that would fucking have the balls to fucking stand there. And that's what you have to do sometimes. You want to be in a band. You know... There's a there's a cherry picking element here when you ask these young bands, well, who's playing? Oh, well, what about this? Man, just get out there and fucking do it. Get out there and fucking take this fucking shit to the next level. And I'm telling you, it, it, and it sounds silly to say this, and I fucking hate in a Fury of Five homage, you know, respect given to these guys diatribe that I'm going on here bringing up whack shit like Avenged Sevenfold, but we brought it up on the podcast on Zach Thorne. That's how some of these fucking bands got around. How do you fucking think, oh, you know, like this Overcast and, you know, be it, uh, Overcast is not Avenged Sevenfold, and I'm so sorry for even saying it, but like, my, my point was is Avenged Sevenfold, before they become this giant fucking band, was going on tour and playing halls with bands like Bull, fucking Ages of Man and Punishment and Shattered Rome. And the bands like Overcast and the would become the bands like Shadows Fall. Kill Switch Engage, those guys all played in bands that played hall shows every fucking weekend. Everywhere from West Mass and New England, come all the way down to Rhode Island, play in fucking, I guarantee you, Overcast, played in fucking Hagerstown, fucking Maryland. That's how it was. That's how these bands grind their fucking teeth. 
You know, that fucking huge American metal band, Lamb of God. Yeah, they used to play fucking squats in West Philadelphia. And they never fucking lost their chops. And they said, you know what? I'm going to make this fucking band work if I got to play in West Philadelphia to a bunch of fucking motherfuckers that smell like a goddamn four-day-old corpse and look like fucking shitty Rob Zombie cosplay because I want to have people check my fucking band out. And now they're ripping it all over the fucking world. One of the biggest names in heavy metal. It goes back to the same thing from the Dukowski Gin model. Everything built and born out of the underground is eventually going to be co-opted, emulated, stolen, or, um, I forget the term, so I'm not going to use it, but, um, you know, taken and used by bigger things. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, the, the hard work, the perseverance, the self-knowing, I love this fucking shit and I want people to hear it. Versus the self that says, I don't know, do you think people are going to care? Like, oh, I hope, it's like, dude, you got to go in there, and and I'm, for the female listeners, I'm sorry, but as a man, I'm going to say it with the most honesty I can, you got to get up on the stage with the hardest dick you can pull out, and you got to fuck, and keep it in your fucking pants, but you got to go in there fucking psyched, ready to fucking show this fucking world what you fucking got, and you got to feel so fucking, like, this is what I, this is what I want people to see. I see so many people coming to these shows dressed a certain way, acting a certain way, you know, doing the hand clap, shoulder bump, hey, what's up, social networking in real life, going down, and they get on stage and they're all pussy. No one likes a pussy. I mean, I guess Milo from Descendants and people like that might probably get some chicks, I guess, or maybe they'd get chicks, but in general... You want to be something, you want to be a fucking force, you got to go in there with a fucking, you got to be in there truly with a fucking fury, and you got to take this fucking shit, and you have to push it down people's throat, because eventually that's what fucking takes, and these fucking metal bands that associate themselves poorly by adding the suffix core to their name for some kind of half-assed attachment to the underground, yeah, they did that all the fucking time. They ate fucking shit. They played shows in front of no one for fucking years. And then one day, boom. They got scrims. They got that little weird fucking goofy box that they put their knee on. Or they put their... Ever see that? The fucking turds behind the giant barricade. They got their knee up. And they got the inner ears. They worked their ass off playing in front of nobody. And you can do that too, kid. <laughs> nah, I hope you fucking never do. I, and in fact, if that's your goal to put your leg up on a box that some fucking roadie's got to set up from 3 p.m., I hope you go fuck yourself. It's not what I'm into, and that's not what Free Your Five was into. This this whole podcast is brought to you by Jocko Go, my unofficial sponsor, because I'm all Jockoed up after jujitsu and hyped on the idea of paying respect and love to people personally and people aesthetically who brought a lot of pure excitement and energy and a spirit that was not alive and well in Philadelphia when I first saw Fury of Five. And this band playing is awesome because if you're going to rock out to the Pain of Truce and then the, the never-ending games and the gridirons and the tsunamis, well, your ass better pay respect. You know, I said it in a tweet, everyone's a new cold as life shit till it's time to do it. You know, they act like they want to do it. And it's like, it's not going out there and being fucking wild and chaotic. But 
when it comes to the band, there isn't a work ethic that all these fucking bands, I mean, listen to the episode with Jeff, listen to the episode with Rob, you know, none of these bands showed up and put their shit on the internet, and six months later, they were selling thousands of t-shirts via fucking the website, they had to bust their fucking ass for years, come home with no money, maybe get ripped off in Europe, even to make something fucking happen, and that's what I'm telling you to do, don't wait for someone to give you the opportunity to make it happen. You should have been on the fucking road. You should have been on that fucking stage. That demo should have already been fucking ready. And you should have been fucking pushing this shit. You know? They want this shit hard enough. And you think this is the shit that you wake up to and thinking, I need to do this and I need to do this. And you know, the, Sto- the Soupies, the Clemos, the Jakes, there's so many of these kids out here who are fucking pushing. Andrew, young Andrew, I can see it. You know, Bull the singer killing me the big ass head, I, I think these kids are going to do something, because they fucking, every time I see them, they're smiling, they're happy, they're running, they're gunning, they're trying for it, so I'm telling you, if you're one of these little assholes, listen to this motherfucker, pay attention, it starts with work, and it's not all, it's not all fucking typing, it's real deal shit here, people, it's fucking getting up, it's going to fucking work, like a regular fucking job, only it's uh, work towards where do you want to be? Where do you want your fucking band to be? You know? You want your fucking band to be known? You want to wait for the internet? You want to wait till people have talked about you enough that maybe someone will ask you to get paid $150 to open their tour? Shit might still happen whether or not you fucking go ahead and you fucking do the right shit. But the thing is, put the fucking destiny in your hands. And if you think you're playing shit that people might not be into, fuck it. If you play enough times peep, and you're good enough and you put on the fucking performance in your fucking heart, it will fucking seed. It will fucking seed. There's never been a half-ass Fury of Five set in the history of Fury of Five. It's never been a record that wasn't meticulously, you know, crafted and curated. Um... I mean, to the point where those guys were going all the way up to Normandy Sound, which was the home of some of the coolest leeway records ever. I mean, we could talk for, I could do 10 fucking episodes just on the records themselves. I'd love to do shit like that, but it would just take up massive amounts of time. And I don't know if, unless you get everybody in one room, how to even get the right story all the way out. But just looking at the output, I mean, when, when At War With The World came out, for instance, that was the summer I was turning 18. And I was fucking in a bad way. Not on drugs. Just like not doing everything right in life. And living as chaotically as possible. And this fucking record comes out. I remember getting the vinyl. I remember it being distributed in America through Victory. But it being a Century Metal release. And us having it early because of that. That was the record. That was the record. That the people who didn't go all to the shows, the people that didn't do the um, small hall show so much, they started picking up on what Fury of Five was. And I remember that was also the year that people really started actually paying attention to Madball more than just being like, oh, that's some thug shit. Which was so bizarre to me because, you know, Madball was already fucking killing it here. But I think a lot of people who were really hoping that whole 90s straight edge thing that we were talking about in the Youngblood episode, that those bands were going to go further. But by 98, 
with the exceptions of the Florida Punches and a couple of the bands, some of that stuff, that second wave of the straight edge stuff, really started to peter out. And I'm obviously, Ten Yard Fight would break up in '99, and then you know do the one time show in 2000. Like things were getting a shift at the end of the decade. But I'll tell you what, Fury Five was ushering in something outrageous, and obviously, it needs to be said. I mean, look at you know, fucking everybody. Everybody's sales got a little extra wind in it when fucking that satisfaction record came out. You know, um, Jamie was a huge, huge supporter of the Fury of Fives and all these bands we're talking about. I mean, when when a band like that starts hitting and then, you know, it kinda all collectively started coming together, you know, you had the fucking the blood for blood stuff. There's so much shit that all kind of came around at that same period. But that at war with the world, man, that was something fucking different. And I remember feeling something different at Fury 5 shows. And, um, I mean, straight up legendary shit. It's such a weird thing to think about. Like, they go from three years back, multiple demos in 7 Inches. The 7 Inches being released overseas and people checking them out. But them having to work their ass off, too. You know, 98 and onward, you know, in the East Coast, people knew who the fuck Fury 5 was. Even the people who fucking eschewed or hated it or liked the shit talking, the still zines, the people who are still writing zines. You know, this is before the web would just take over. Now Lamb Goat would just trash them because they're slick. But, you know, it, it takes a lot to get to that point. And it takes a lot of work. And, yeah. I I love to do, if I ever had no job and just tons of money, just do cross-section analyzation with Sonny of how long from the first show, first demo, first record bands existed, how many shows these bands really played, and if the outcome was that if you played all these kind of hall shows, if you were seated deeply and remembered longer. You know, there's a ton of bands post-Fury 5 that would come along, do a tour or two, and that would be it. And maybe people who still go to shows will remember them, and the T-shirt would linger. You can get their thing on Discogs, and maybe some young kid would check it out on YouTube and try to prop them up to be something. But few things ever got to the point where, you know, when it's it's crazy when the West Coast people who were still getting used to the more East Coast shit really started getting into Fury of Five. And I remember going out there and us having Fury of Five shit on them because, oh, I've never seen that shirt. Like, you know, there was really fans even out there. I think touring the U.S. wasn't something that the Fury of Five guys really got a chance to do often to the point where they would eventually collapse at some point in some ways. I mean, I think there's social shit within the band. I'm not going to speak on it, but I think had they been more than the regional powerhouse and loved and feared in Europe, that they could have been such a fucking force. That's one of the things that happens, too. It's a weird thing. You got to remember, you're spending morale. Morale is a different thing. It's not money. It's emotions. Spend morale jumping in these vans and 
You know, the beginning, there's no band fund. Some bands never have a band fund. Some bands do. The beginning, it's, hey, cough up some bucks. We're going to travel to New Hampshire. And we're going to play a show here. We don't know what the merch money is going to be like, you know. And it's like that. You know, print your own merch. None <laughs> of these fucking merch stores. None of these fucking websites. Some motherfucker's going to find some Jim or John fucking A1 t-shirt motherfucker in their town. Get their t-shirts done. He ain't fronting them. He wants his money up front. They're going to make their money back. I mean, obviously Jeff TDT and many people coming to New Jersey, New York, etc. But a lot of these bands didn't have that shit. You know, go find somebody who would print t-shirts till it became very fucking... I think almost the market got oversaturated with the local guy who does the hardcore screen printing t-shirts. But, you know, it's hard. You go on these trips and the van breaks down. You go on these trips and the promoter doesn't pay you. You go on these trips and the show was cool, but kids left before you guys had to play or everybody stood outside. And, you know, there's always some hubbubs. There's always some bullshit. There's always some cross-ups that sometimes would take away from the trip that was planned, the time that you could have went to work or spent with your girl. And these are the things that eat up bands. These are the things that make bands go away. And they're unavoidable. It's not talked about. Though I love what Danny said in the last episode where he said we played thousands of shows and we were burnt out. If you don't think there were shows or biohazard would show up and the money wasn't there. Or show up and... You know, the crowd was... I mean, even the biggest bands have that issue. But I'll go back to what I said in the beginning because we're almost at an hour here that I'm lucky to have seen Fury of Five before, during, and I'm happy that they're back. I'm happy that Hardcore Today, 2022, is a place where it is not seen with irony or like some shtick that a band like Fury of Five is going to be up there playing. And that there's kids who are kids, 17, 18, 19, who literally love this shit and are excited for it. And I talk to people who, yes, they want to see Hatebreed. Yes, they want to see Madball. But there's people that are so excited to see Fury of Five that this is hardcore. Which is, an, which is a month away. And I couldn't think of anything better in my life than if I'm going to do Hatebreed, to do Hatebreed, Madball, Fury of Five, Killing Time, All Out War, Wisdom and Chains. Like that's the stuff that reminds me of my old days where I would go to the show and find, see the flyer and collect it or grab it from South Street, put it on my wall and glue. I, I have so many, I have a big piece of cardboard that I used to stick on my walls because we move a lot. With all these flyers. I had so many flyers with Fury of Five on there. You know. We don't say heroes in, in hardcore punk. Because I used to talk to Jay Fury a lot on the telephone. And wrote them letters and stuff like that. And um, you know you learn to meet the people in your bands. And then you learn that you're a part of the community. That these guys are helping to build up. So you're a fan of their music. And you respect them. But you also end up becoming friends of it as well. And that's something that is different than in the metal world. But I, I'd like to say that Fury of Five and so many of these bands have a blueprint that kind of gets lost in the internet shuffle. 
We just skip to the next song. You watch the YouTube video for Do or Die. Or maybe you just have that gif of Stickman moshing in the Do or Die video. But at the same time, you have to understand that there's work. There's blood. There's sweat. There's toil. There's a thousand tears. I'm sure that each one of these guys getting on the stage Saturday buried the what-ifs, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and is pushing forward and, and just speaking to Stick about it and then having a, a brief email exchange with Jay about it. They're very excited to be back in the world. The fans, the people that love them, people that know them, the people whose bands, like my, like my band, probably wouldn't even be plausible if it wasn't for the people who carved these paths. And I think that whether you're 15, 20, 25, 30, we all are walking somewhere where someone had done it before. And we owe not not everything, but we do owe it to these people to understand that what every time, every couple of years, things get easier in some regard. But they also things get lost not doing it the old ways. So... That's kind of where I'm at, you know. I I mean, it'd be great to get an episode with Tukoski and just talk about how they booked Black Flag tours. It'd be fantastic. But more importantly, you have to understand is that they were one of the hardest working bands. And I mean, obviously, if you listen, if you read the Henry Get in the Van stuff, like there's all these great writings in it, and because it was such a big deal at the time. But you know, it goes on even further. You know, it goes on several different times. But it needs to be said that I really think for this time with all these bands with this certain style and focus, I keep using the same bands because they know they're the popular ones currently coming up in this post-pandemic world, needs to be said that in an era where these bands were grown a lot from online engagement, that there's still work for these bands to do. And I'm proud of Pain of Truth who just went out there and killed it on a terror tour in the U.S. and are now in Europe. I'm proud to see Gridiron out there whooping some ass every time they get on stage. Big shout-outs to the young boys in Tsunami bringing Gridiron out. They're going to be back out here on the East Coast this summer. And that's the stuff you need. That's the stuff that you look forward to is seeing these bands grow and push themselves. So I just want to remember to say to these young bands, whether you're in the Killing Me's, the Simulacra's, the Endits, it's about work. Internet's only one thing. People only say the nice shit on the internet. You want the real shit? Go out to fucking Hagerstown, Maryland. I love saying that town name now. And go play a fucking show there. And then drive seven hours northeast and play up there and then go the fuck home. And let's see if you break even on the merch money and the gas bill. Get ready to do it all again the now weekend. Because that's the kind of shit that the bands that you guys are capping, the Fury Fives, the Coldest Lights, the Blood for Bloods, all these bands did weekend after weekend after weekend. And we're lucky. The Northeast is unparalleled in its opportunities with really good scenes within two to three hours away. And I mean... If you, we had the we have the most populated hardcore scenes so close to each other in the entire country, so we have it easy for this weekend warrior status. So it is something that is conveniently more accessible in the Northeast corridor. 
and it needs to be said because I do know there's listeners in California and Texas and the Southwest. For you guys, you got to make it organized. You got to make it strategic. Pick a window, hit two shows, come home. You know, try to do two weekends away, two weekends at home. Build your name up, trade shows, make it fucking happen. You know, if a band's coming to your town, represent for them. Another thing to be said about Fury of Five is them motherfuckers were in the pit for all their homies. In June of 1998, I did a show in Junietta Park American Legion Hall. All at war played. Everyone was excited. Stickman, Jay Fury, step into the circle of the pit as All at War starts the intro. And you know what that sounds like. And when that dun, dun, them dudes were stomping on it and literally wrecking the entire crowd. This is in 1998. The record's out. Just by them walking into a room in most places in the East Coast, people who the fuck they were, they didn't have to fucking mosh for all war, but the point is they're fucking Fury of Five, and they're going to fucking represent, and they're going to be the ones up front in Philadelphia destroying anyone in their way. And that's the kind of shit you have to do sometimes. If you want people to take you seriously and get to know who the fuck you are, you got to be the person up front, moshing harder than everybody, even if your band's the most fucking popular band right now, or the band that's coming up, or the band that released that fucking record that everyone's talking about. And that's the shit that makes you something in hardcore. The person who's the kid on the stage and the motherfucker in the pit. If you can do that, you still might not be for your five, but you'd be well on your way. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out TIHCpodcast.com. There won't be any show notes besides links to end it tonight. Make sure you check out Fury of Five. The show sold out June 11th, but they'll be playing Saturday, July 9th with Hatebreed, Madball, and a lot more. Thank you to everybody for constantly supporting. It means a lot, and I did not have a specific game plan for this week besides being busy as fuck and um probably gonna get ask someone to help me start scheduling some guests so that way with the seven other tasks or whatever the fuck I gotta do that day I'm thinking ahead and starting to coordinate so I can get more interviews and less diatribes that make you go why the fuck is this idiot still talking but thank you for those who's still listening Make sure to check out that Post-America podcast that was absolutely fucking fantastic with Dan Astazi. I'm such a fucking retard. I got so fucking busy. I'm sorry to Zach. I'm 185 miles south. I wanted to say something about the Madball shit. That Madball episode is unfucking believable Check that motherfucker out. I love that fucking episode. We're going to have to start this shit again with fucking Broad Street Breakdown. I'm going to have to fucking start this shit up. Motherfuckers better get an episode out I don't want to hear shit from these guys And I I, I gotta say yo rule 3 we gotta step it the fuck up too Richie Hopefully you're getting over your shit We gotta get a fucking episode out Soonish motherfucker People want it IG talking to you too Look I rambled enough Um, Much love To everybody I talked about positively On this episode And if you're still listening This is the track that I still fucking love. I mean, I love all their tracks, but I'm going to end this shit with Fury of Five and One It All. Make sure you're there Saturday. And if you're not there Saturday, you get tickets. Make sure you're there Saturday, July 9th. This is Fury of Five, One It All. Much love again to every band who wanted it all. 
put everything on the fucking line, whether it was success or failure, made shit fucking happen for themselves. Young kids out there, repeat the process. Make this shit happen. Go out there and want it all. Take care. Yes!